In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. It's another emergency podcast special, and I'm here with Jack and Ian. I'm looking at Jack right now. He's looking very confused with this new brown signing. Jack, how are you feeling? Meh. It is the only way I'd describe it. I, I, I can't say I'm very excited about it. Um, it's just one of them signings that is what it is. It brings up probably more questions about what they're going to do with the rest of the room. And yeah, it might, it might make sense in... A month's time, a month and a half post draft, but I'm not sure where it's going to leave us now because it wasn't really what I had as a where I thought they were going. Ian, how are you feeling about this? We've signed a defensive end, a former first round pick. Yeah, you know, Tack McKinley, nicknamed Grandma to me, he's a guy they obviously coveted last year. They, they tried to claim him on multiple different occasions, only to be beaten out by the Bengals, who then cut him, and then the 49ers, I believe, tried, and then he got cut from there. And then the Raiders ended up kept, uh, keeping him because he finally passed a physical. Allegedly, he was battling a groin injury, wasn't very happy down in Atlanta. So, I mean, his sample size of his fourth year in the NFL was virtually none. He only played in three games last year, totaling less than 50 snaps. I think he's a piece to this room. I don't think he's the piece. I think this is a guy that comes in, and I don't think you're expecting him to line up opposite of Miles Garrett come week one. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to fight for it to see. I mean, he's 25 years old. He's a speed guy. Somebody in the Browns coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball likes him and wanted to get him in here. Third time, fourth time was the charm, finally. Yeah, it's, it's that question of sort of where the room stacks because if, if you look at all of his numbers, he's not that impressive. The pressure rate isn't particularly great. Um, to, to be fair, actually, pressure rate wasn't too bad in 2019. Um, but still, it's the pass rush grade's quite low, etc. So it's not someone you're going, wow, we've got this guy. Um he pretty much, if you went, hey, we're going to make him the edge two, he'd be in those sort of bottom bottom five, bottom ten of the edge two class um, across the NFL. C- could he be a solid three? Yeah. But it's, it's where that room stacks up. So we know Miles Garrett's the one. Um, and then for me, it was, hey, we're going to bring in one free agent. We're going to bring one dude in in the draft. You've got Port Augustine. Um, in there, and then you've got a Curtis Weaver, a day three pick, a UDFA for a camp battle. And it kind of just makes me think, is the plan now go out and sign another free agent, and then it's either not draft anyone, or it's Curtis Weaver slash Port Augustine, one of them two is getting the knife. Yeah, I think, like I said, it definitely adds a little competition to the room, but I don't think there's an incremental step up. I think that it's a nice name. I think people will remember him coming out of UCLA as a first-round pick, ironically enough, in that 26th spot with the Browns. 
hasn't just hasn't been able to do it. So maybe a little change of scenery, maybe getting out of hot land and getting up to cold Cleveland is going to be the, uh, the resurrection to the career that he needs. Paul, what do you think? Is there any risk this guy doesn't make the 53 man roster or 4 million just means he's definitely going to be in that, in that 53. So we don't know the final terms of the deal. We know it's 4.25 million and it's up to 6 million in incentives that will probably be related to sacks and game time. Um, I would expect he definitely makes the roster to sign this early in free agency just seems crazy for someone to sign now. If it was in two weeks time, we could be sitting there going, Hey, it might only be 250,000 in guarantees. Um, and they could easily just move on from him, but I'd, I'd expect he's definitely making the roster. Um, and, and that's the question. If, if we go into the draft and we sign another dude, then you've got miles Garrett, two free agents. They're definitely making the roster. Um, obviously, you can walk away from Gustin without a penny on the books. You can walk away from Weaver without a penny on the books. But the the worst thing you want to do is you build a room which has got three of them, got Miles Garrett, two free agents, and a draft pick. And then you go into camp and Port Augustine steps up and has sort of a fourth-year breakout in camp. Then you've got, uh, sorry, third-year breakout in camp. And then you've got Curtis Weaver who shines and he's got his body exactly where he is. And you're going, well, we've got six and we have to get rid of one of these two younger guys. Then, And that's the kind of thing that almost confuses me. I, I get that Curtis Weaver's a risk, but I was willing to taste that upside. Well, the thing is, is Weaver and Tack don't have nearly the same athletic profiles, right? So we were talking earlier in our chat about defensive ends that have the ability to inside versus play outside in different packages. Tack's one of those guys where you could line Garrett up inside and you're going to put Tack outside of him. You know, I know he's listed as 6'2", 265. I don't think he plays that big. So I think he's going to be a guy that's maybe a sub-package rusher um, that you kind of cycle into that DN2. Honestly, I think if you were to bring in a guy like Carlos Dunlap, who is kind of that bigger, you know, more physical guy on the edge, and be able to alternate opposite Garrett with Dunlap and Tack, that duo makes more sense than just Tack by himself. Yeah, so for me, Tack's that sort of, hey, who knows, they could say, hey, we want to pump all the money into a secondary. And as long as sort of enough's going on on the D-line, we don't really care. Um, be, because they might, either they really like some rookie in the draft, or it could be a case of they've looked at all the draft and they don't really like any of these edge rushers this year. And that could be the aspect of that they've looked at day one, they've looked at day two, and they're like, we don't like any of the what, one in this group. We might take a flyer on someone in day three, but quite frankly, we don't know. And that could be the reason they really want to attack McKinley. Um, so it's, it's one of them that, that they'll have looked at the draft um, by now, because obviously, yeah, who knows where a guy's going to go. But if they're not happy with anyone at that 26 spot, and then when they pick in the second round, quite frankly, they might just go, let's leave it for you. I don't know what the 2022 draft class looks like, but they could go, look, we're going to go a Clowney, a Dunlap, one of those bigger free agents opposite Garrett, attack underneath, then Augustine, and then a Curtis Weaver. Because who knows, Curtis Weaver could pop. Um, and then we're sat there going, well, we got our second, third round draft pick, um, and we picked him up off the scrap heap. So... It could certainly be a way they go. I've got a question for all of us. Uh, I'll go last. 
tactical. Um, let's let's put um, a bit of uh, uncertainty on this, or a bit of a uh, more of a putting a call out there. What do you think the Browns are going to do next? What's your view? And let's not have a wishy-washy answer. Do you think the Browns are going to go for a big free agent defensive end next draft, third round a defensive end, or just leave the room as it is? So just on the defensive end or free agents of any position? Yeah, just a defensive end room because, you know, it's quite a key sign-in today. I'm going to say they're going at Clowney. I, I just think yeah. the stars are aligned and Clowney will be the guy they get. Okay, cool. So you're saying free agent, we're going to get a bigger DN defensive end coming. Yeah. Yeah. Last Ian? week, I tweeted this yesterday. I just had a gut feeling – I'm watching the Hendrickson. I'm watching Lawson. You guys were snoozing, I know. But Clowney was the name that it just – and here's why. Clowney needs another year of production to get paid. He needs Miles Garrett more than Miles Garrett needs him. So if Clowney, if you look at his success, when he was opposite um, in Houston, J.J. Watt, he had his most productive year when Watt was, like, firing on all cylinders – so here we have Garrett coming into his prime. I think Clowney knows. I go to Cleveland. They're going to give me maybe not full price. I think they might give him that one-year $12 million deal. Remember, he's coming off an injury, so he might not be somebody that you signed for a couple of weeks. But the timing is right for him to come in. If he's healthy, make an impact, he's going to hit the free agency period in two years when the cap goes up. And people may look at him as a DN1 again. Because as of right now, everybody's looking at him as a DN2. So Clowney was the guy yesterday that I just I, – I have no sources. I'm not getting texts from anybody. It just had – I had a gut feeling that Clowney was a guy that they're possibly penciling in to already be in this roster. I'm going to go with that's it. No more free agent signings in the defense fen room. And we are going to trade down our first-round pick and take – someone interesting in the second round is jack um, mad at you are you trying to suck up to jack here what, what is what is this trade down well, jack, jack didn't say that. marry you jack, cannot marry jack you. <laughs> jack had the chance to say whatever he wanted trade and that's down what i'm Brown saying has a ring to it i'm just calling it now that's what i'm just saying no um it'd be a, certainly an interesting way to go um i yeah, it's hard to know. There's no real steer you're getting on Weaver or Gustin, how they view them guys. Um, they could see, hey, they'll step up and they might go, hey, Tack McKinley, yeah, he's not our out-and-out number two, but across those three and some other rookie they bring in, they might be like, look, let's have Miles Garrett, who is a, a stud one, and almost we view these four guys all at number three, defensive ends and we're just going to rotate him in there and may the best man win and literally throw everything at the wall and see what sticks so i i it's not ludicrous as it sounds um but no i i the, the questions there it's going to be interesting to see we'll, we'll be able to sit here in two a month and a half and go hey well this is what they had planned um but yeah it wouldn't surprise me if they're just like we either love the draft class or we don't actually love the draft class. I, I think it's very much one of them too. Paul, what is your take on a friend of the program, Zach Banner, re-signing with the, uh, the hated Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, I'll send him a, a text saying congratulations. 
Well, and two years, nine and a half million with three and, three and a quarter million signing bonus. He owes you a drink. Yeah, and I'll also tell him I hope you lose twice next season, maybe three times. You can't. Anyway, <laughs> that's what I'll say to him. Um, one guy I just want to touch on that there was there was a release today that really really piqued my interest just right at the end of the pod and that was Dory Jackson. Speaking of former first round busts, Dory Jackson. At the end of the day, someone tweeted at me and said Jack would love to be the rehabilitation home. They already know I want to do it for running backs, but I also want to do it for all players out there. That I think the upside's huge. Uh, Malcolm Butler, yeah, you can go get him at like six million a year, I reckon it would be. But Dory Jackson's got a much higher upside. Um, so no, I I would I, I would certainly be interested in bringing him in. Um, I I just think it's another piece that let's just throw everything at the wall. I I want seven. I want at least eight DBs that I'm like these guys are mustard and got it in their locker. Jack, if I gave you ten point seven five million dollars to spend on one cornerback, and you get to choose between Casey Hayward and Adoree Jackson, who Casey are you choose? Hayward. One year deal, ten seven five. But yeah, the thing I'm, is, I'm, I think I could spend eleven million and potentially bring in Adoree Jackson and Troy Hill. Uh, Troy Hill's getting a little buzz. I think he's going to be in that five to six million dollar range, my friend. Yeah, I think I think he's going to be five, but I, I think six and a half. I don't think it's unreasonable for Adoree Jackson on a one year deal. Well, we'll see because Adoree Jackson also has return game eligible, so he's very fast. But when he was at USC, I mean, he's coming out. He's a speed guy. He's a heck of a punter. But there is a little bit of a special team element to Dory Jackson, which yeah. I'm sure Freeford would not mind. You could literally sub out, you know, like the JoJo Jack, JoJo Natson, uh, JoJo Jackson, JoJo Natson role with like a Dory Jackson. Yeah, it's just the fact that teams were willing. They moved on from him. He had an injury last year, and it was only like ten million his deal. Um, so it, it wasn't impossible to trade, but if teams aren't going to pay 10, they're probably not paying eight. So that's why I think six and a half, seven is probably where his market's at. So uh, no, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Jack, you think the Browns signed somebody else before midnight tonight? Uh, or midnight? Midnight your time, not midnight, midnight our time. Midnight Eastern time. Yeah, I, I do think there is going to be another sign in tonight. In another late night. Room. I think it's going to be a corner. Yep, I think it's corner. Yeah, it might not necessarily be your cornerback too, but I think you're going to start seeing some of these one-year deals coming. Either the slot or the outside. One of them markets they've started. There's been a bit of movement. One of them I think is going to go in the space of like two hours. We're going to see three or four names go, um, and I think it might be the slot market that actually moves first. Mike Hilton's obviously gone at six. Yeah, my guy, Mike Hilton. So the Steelers did what we thought. They kept Cam Sutton, and then they let Mike Hilton walk. So. Any have the details on the Hilton contract with the Bengals come out yet? Mm, I'm not sure. I, I know cash in the first year is 8.5 million, I believe. But uh, that that's about it for the show today. We 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 we, we run out of time. Mila Kunis, I want to let you know that I pursued you in my single days as much as the Chicago Bears pursued Russell Wilson. So, <laughs> it work out for either of us. Uh, guys, I want to ask one quick question before we end. Jack, out of ten. How excited are you about the Browns signing today? Four. Out of 10. Four. Ian? I'll one-up Jack and say five, just because I think Tack may have something to prove. I like that it's a one-year deal, because that means he's got to come in and shine. So I'm going to give it a five. I'm going to go with a six. One-year de- one deal, four million. 
lots of upside. He obviously is talented going first round. Let's see what happens. We could get the bargain of the season or it could be a dud. Go Browns. Go Browns.